Every week at this time in our service, we give our attention to God's word. We believe that the Bible, the scriptures, are God's word revealed to us so that by them we might know him and by them we might know how we are to live and relate to him. We'll have the scriptures read for us so that we might hear them and preach to us so that we might understand them and believe and live our lives according to them. Kurt's going to come and read the scriptures for us and then we'll preach together. Our scripture lesson this morning is 1 John chapter 4 verses 1 through 6. That's found on page 1023 in your Black Pew Bibles. 1 John 4 verses 1 through 6. Here are these words. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and now is in the world already. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. May God bless this reading. Okay, I hope you all had a great Thanksgiving. Uh, if you're seeing some of us walking around stiff like Frankenstein, we had our annual turkey bowl yesterday, and that's our every year Thanksgiving day or day after Thanksgiving football game. Uh, I'm not one to brag, that's just not my style, but I, I will have you know, I've been playing turkey bowl since I was 14 years old, so 17 years, and I have never lost one time in 17 years, right? Why ESPN hasn't called and written a story about that, I'm as surprised as probably you are. Um, but again, it's not in my style to brag, so I'm not going to boast or brag. But the highlight of the day was not even that impressive 17-year streak that is still running. The highlight of the day uh, was actually Ebby John. And let me tell you quickly, Ebby's sitting there in the back. Now, if you look at Ebby, you're not going to see a big, strong, tall guy. So why was he the highlight of the day? Let me tell you why. We were, my team will call us Team Light. And we'll call the other team Darkness. Just random, random names that I thought of, right? So Light was battling against Darkness. And it was clear that though there was a battle, Light was clearly prevailing over Darkness. And we were winning. And then one person from our team, the captain of our team, the best player on our team, Dan, got hurt. And by way of his injury, a way was made for someone from Darkness to come onto Team Light. Okay? So now who was this someone? Ebby John. Why? Not because of any merit of his own, right? He had nothing in him to offer or contribute. It wasn't because he was the fastest or the strongest or even wanted to be on our team or made a decision to be on our team. Through nothing but, if you will, grace, he was transferred <laughs> from darkness to light. And then when he got incorporated into light, I want you to know that this transformation was so complete that we really adopted him onto our team. We didn't just stick him on the line. In fact, the game-winning play was designed to who? Ebby John. 
And so he who was in darkness was transferred to light and then triumphed over darkness through no effort of his own. Thank you. That has nothing to do with anything we're going to talk about today. Did I just sneak in the gospel while talking trash? Yes, I did, friends. That is called killing two birds with one stone, okay? We are in 1 John 4, 1 to 6 today. And today, Pastor John is going to teach us about the need for authentic Christians to be discerning when it comes to spiritual things, okay? Pastor John is going to teach us the need for authentic Christians to be discerning when it comes to spiritual things. The passage is the one that Kurt read for us. Let me just pray, and then we'll consider these six verses together. Lord, we pause for help. We give you thanks for this morning. We thank you for all that is ours in Christ. Life and joy and goodness and laughter, these things come from you because you are a good God. There is nothing that we enjoy that has not come from your hands. Help us to see how good you are. Today we pray that you would help us as we consider your word. We pray that as we understand them, they might lead us to truth. And truth for us is not a doctrine or even a set of beliefs. Truth for us is a person. Jesus came into the world and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So as we come to truth, we're going to find that we come to a person. Make him clear in our sight today. Make him the dividing line that we must choose whether we know him or do not. But help us to walk in the way of truth. Bring every one of us there. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. When I think about spirituality in our day, I think of sort of our Thanksgiving tables. Maybe because it was Thanksgiving this week. But that's sort of what I picture at when I think about spirituality in our culture, right? So Facebook had this never-ending stream of everyone's living room as people were taking pictures of their Thanksgiving table. There was one theme in common, no matter whose house you were looking at, is that there was lots of different options, lots of different foods, right? You didn't have one pie, you had four pies. You didn't have one side dish, you had 16 side dishes, right? And the wisdom of our day, or what we tried to do that day on Thursday, was touch and taste a little bit of everything till we were so full that even our, our sweatpants were screaming for help, right? That's how much we tasted of everything. When we come to spirituality in our day, it's much the same way, which is there is an endless buffet of options of religions, of worldviews, of spiritual insights, of deep things, of higher power, and so on and so on. And the wisdom of our day says, nobody should say any one thing is the thing, but rather we should touch and taste from a little bit of everything. Right? The, the wisdom of our day would say, there's all kinds of spiritual insights to be found everywhere, and so you ought to consume a little bit of everything. All kinds of spiritual options, spiritual insights, spiritual claims, spiritual teachings. In that way, our culture is very similar to the culture that Pastor John, the Apostle John, was writing to when he wrote the book that we're studying, 1 John. When he wrote this first letter, he's writing to a culture and climate that's much like ours, in that their people had many spiritual options to choose from, many teachings, many insights, many claims to higher things, many secrets to wisdom, and so on and so on it would go. And much like our day, there were those who dabbled in a little bit of all of it. And the Apostle John here in our passage today, what he's going to do is he's going to call his church, 
He's going to call authentic Christians to not indiscriminately swallow everything from the spirituality buffet, but rather to be very discerning about what they take in and about what they receive, about what they believe. They're not just to open mouths wide, open minds wide to take in everything, but they're to be discerning about what they believe. Listen to how John says it in 4 verse 1. This is how the passage begins. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, for many false prophets have gone out into the world. So here's what John's saying. John's saying to Christians, beloved, don't believe everything that is spiritual. Because even if something is spiritual, it needs to be tested to know whether it is from God or not. Because there is no shortage of false spirits and false prophets in the world. What he's saying is authentic Christians, even nice Christians, are not supposed to blindly or naively or in a sense of gullibility, in, in a sense of being gullible, accept every teaching or every teacher, but rather are to test the spirit behind the teaching and the teacher or the spiritual person to know whether it comes from God. Here's what John would say. Sure, there are plenty of things that are spiritual, but the question is, from what spirit? There's all kinds of things that are spiritual in our world, but the question is, where does that spirit come from? Right? So let me back up and talk larger picture for a second. The Bible throughout says that God created everything. So when God created everything, he created this physical world that you and I see and walk in and enjoy. The mountains and the hills and the rain and the trees and all that we see God made. The scriptures tell us also that God created this invisible world, this spiritual world. Now, regardless of how familiar you are with that or not, at least 90% of Americans believe that there's something beyond what we see. Right? So it's a very small minority of folks that think this is all there is to it. Most of us, secular polls and all will tell you, everyone seems to believe that there's something beyond what we see, something above, something invisible, something spiritual. The scriptures say that's true, that God made this visible world that you can see, and just as real is this invisible spiritual world that you can't see. In it are spiritual beings. God calls these spiritual beings that he made angels. And the Bible tells us the story that in the beginning there was this rebellion of one principal angel named Lucifer who led a rebellion of a third of the angels. And these fallen angels who wanted God's glory and went after God and fought with God were cast down and they became the devil or Satan as we call him and his demons. It's not an equal match. It's not God and Satan as though they're equals. This is much like our turkey bowl game. This is us versus them, right? So clearly God is going to win this game, but nevertheless, it's a battle. And so in this spiritual world of both one team and the other, there's all kinds of things that are spiritual. I'm not saying that there's no meaning in them, but the question is, from what spirit? Where does it come from? And so what John is calling his church to be discerning about is, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to know where they come from, because not everything comes from God. Since there are evil spirits, and since there is false spirits, a Christian ought to be discerning. 
right? For John, listen, behind every spiritual claim, behind every spiritual insight, behind every spiritual proclamation or teaching, there's an origin, there's a source, there's a spirit behind it. And for John, this is one of two places, right? If you've been walking through 1 John with us, it should not surprise you that John is very stark, black and white. Remember, he hates gray. Everything is either light or darkness, life or hate, uh, love or hate, light or darkness, life or death. Everything is stark for John. You're either an authentic Christian or you're a counterfeit. So likewise, it shouldn't surprise us that for John, behind every spiritual teaching is one of two origins. Either it's divine from God or it's diabolical and demonic and from the devil and his demons. Think of that. You just think of the books at Barnes and, Barnes and Noble. You think of the TV shows. You think of the spiritual leaders of our day. You just have to Google spiritual leaders and you'll find a hundred name long list of all the spiritual leaders. And John is going to say, you can separate out every teacher, every single one, as having their teaching come from a spirit that is either from God or from the other team. For John, it's going to be either the spirit of truth, that's what he calls it in verse 6, or the spirit of error. That's also what he calls it in verse 6. So when you connect with, hear this, because this is important, when you take in spiritual teaching, you're connecting with something spiritual, no doubt about it. The question is, from where does that spirit come? Right? You, you might tell me, listen, I had a spiritual experience. I saw a vision. I heard a voice. I had this powerful thing happen. And I will not doubt you on the reality or validity of that experience. But that still doesn't escape the question, where does it come from? Because again, John is going to tell his people there's one of two origins for all things that are spiritual. Either it's divine or it's diabolical. So that means that authentic Christians must be discerning. Rather than giving equal credence, rather than receiving all things equally, authentic Christians must be discerning. Here again, John's words, he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God for many false prophets have gone out into the world. Listen, John is calling for a certain level of maturity of all Christians. I want you to hear that because that's important. Remember, John's not writing this letter to some pastors up at the front. John's not writing this letter to some intellectual elite. Remember, over and over again, it's to the beloved. Who's the beloved? That's the everyday, average Joe, plain Jane Christians in the pews. This is to all of us that he's giving us this word. So it's not just the job of some leaders to be spiritually discerning. It's all Christians have this responsibility that on you falls the weight of being discerning, of testing the spirits to hear a doctrine or hear a teaching. And it's on you to discern whether this is from the spirit of God. That's a weighty responsibility that each of us should know that we have. If you are an authentic Christian, beloved, on you is this charge to not believe every spirit, but to test the spirits to see whether they are from 
God. Okay, so if that's true, if John has just commanded that authentic Christians are to not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see if they're from God, that raises a huge question. And if you're tracking along with me, perhaps the question that's sort of beginning to rise in your hearts is, how do I do that? If you're going to tell me it's on me now to test the spirits, to be discerning, to be wise and shrewd and careful about what I believe, what I let in, what teaching I accept. If you're telling me it's on me to be discerning about this, how do I discern? How do I test? What am I looking for? How am I supposed to know if something that's coming at me is coming from the spirit of God or is coming from the other team? How am I supposed to know when something is divine in origin or demonic in origin? What, what's the thing I'm looking for? What's sort of the, the sniff test? What am I supposed to smell out that'll give me a clue as to which I'm dealing with? Right, that's, that's an important question. If on you is this charge to test the spirits, how do you test the spirits? How do you know? It, it can't be just look for impressive words or great talk because we know that there have been plenty of charlatans and fakes and phonies who are smooth talkers. There's no shortage of phonies. How many Christians do you know that have sent in thousands of dollars to phony preachers and fake evangelists because they look nice on TV and carry the Bible? Right? How many people do you know that, that put their stock into this whole thing, gave their lives and found years later devastated that they had been following a fraud all along? So it can't be smooth talking. I want you to hear this. If you're listening to someone, if you're digesting books, if you're taking in spiritual material just because it sounds good, I want you to know your bar is way too low. In fact, hear me. Even if you're listening to me week after week because he talks well, your bar is way too low. You see, this is why we would do well to take what Acts says is the example of the Bereans. In Acts, there's this story of the Apostle Paul. Let me tell you who Paul is. Paul is perhaps the greatest Christian missionary ever. Think of that. I mean, billions of followers. If there's one guy who's better than everybody, it's Paul. If there's one guy who's written most of the New Testament, Paul. And yet when even Paul, perhaps the best Christian witness in the flesh, comes and preaches the gospel, there was this group of people called the Bereans. And Acts tells us they received his message with great gladness, but they were more noble than everyone else. You know why? Because day by day they tested what he said against the scriptures. They weren't just going to swallow it in because it sounded good. What made them noble than all the others was the fact that they took his word and tested it against the scriptures to know if it was authentic. And, and the, the scriptures see that and say, that's noble. And so if your bar is, if it talks good, if it sounds good, if it sounds eloquent, if it sounds deep or profound, I'll take it in. Your bar is way too low. And the scriptures would say, be like the Bereans. Test the spirits. Do not believe, beloved, every spirit, but test the spirits to know whether they are from God. All right, so if it's not mighty talk, then what's the test? What are you smelling for? What are you looking for? What's going to give you a clue? Perhaps it's mighty deeds, right? Maybe it's 
signs and wonders and miracles. I mean, who's going to question if somebody can do something extraordinary or supernatural? I want you to hear this. In the scriptures, that still is not the test. Hear this because this is important. In this spiritual realm that we cannot see, in this world of good spirits from the Lord and evil spirits from the demons and from the devil, there's power that we just don't understand. If you pretend to know it all, you're far too arrogant. We just don't get it all. And so there's power and counterfeit power. So it's not even signs or wonders that give us evidence that something has come from God. I, I'm, I hear from people all the time who tell me about a miracle that happened wherever as the evidence that this thing must surely be divine. Now I want you to know, even from the scriptures, that's not the case. I, I'll give you an example. In, in the book of Exodus, and we preached through the book of Exodus some time back. If you remember that story, God has called this man named Moses to go up against Pharaoh. And Pharaoh represents the enemy of God, who's trying to keep God's people enslaved and brutally slaughter them. And when Moses goes up against Pharaoh, if you remember, there's this showdown right away between Moses, who stands for God, and Pharaoh, who stands for the enemy, for the other team. And what happens in those early encounters? If you remember, Moses does this great deed in order to display the power of God. Do you remember what Pharaoh's magicians are able to do? They were able to mimic the same things. Moses will drop his staff, it'll turn into a serpent. And these false magicians would drop their staffs, and what do you know? It turns into serpents. Or Moses would take water and it would turn into blood. And what do you know? The false magicians are able to do the same thing. And in the text, there's no clue given as though this is some kind of sleight of hand thing. In fact, what the text is almost suggesting is there is this power there. Now, undoubtedly, throughout the Exodus, Moses' displays of power become greater and greater till they can't be mimicked, and it's evident and clear that this is God's work in the land. But I do want you to know that these initial signs and wonders did not give evidence that this other power was God. In fact, hear Jesus' own words. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark 13, 22. This is Christ, and he says this, For false Christ's, and false prophets will arise and perform signs and wonders to lead astray, if possible, the elect. But be on guard. I have told you all things beforehand. You hear that? That's not paranoid John, right? It's not John who's now 90 years old and is sort of losing his mind. This is 30-year-old Jesus. And Jesus is telling his followers, I want you to know, that after I'm gone, false Christs and false prophets will come. They'll perform all kinds of signs and wonders as if possible to lead away even the elect. And I'm warning you beforehand of all these things. So then, hear me. If John is saying, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to know whether they have come from God, what's the test? What are we sniffing for? What are we looking for? How are we going to tell? And if it's not high-sounding talk or clever insights, and if it's not even signs or wonders or mighty deeds, what's going to help us, average, everyday Christians, to discern whether something is divine or demonic? 
whether something should be received and believed or rejected. John tells us. Look at verse 2 and 3. This is 1 John 4, verses 2 and 3. Here's what he says. By this you know the Spirit of God. So here it is. Here's how you know. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you heard was coming and is now in the world already. Here's the test. Jesus. For John, I mean, you've heard Jesus over and over again. This is his best friend. John is unrelenting in his commitment to Jesus. You want to know what the test is? Jesus. He said, listen, if a spirit comes that does not confess Jesus, this is not from God. He goes on to say this is from the Antichrist, or we talk through that in chapter 2. If you remember quickly, I'll tell you, the Antichrist is this term for one opponent who might come in the end. But John applied it to say there are many opponents already in the world now who are opposed to Christ, who are anti-Christ. And he's basically saying, listen, there's one of two spirits. Either one that confesses truth about Jesus, and that is the Spirit of God, or the Spirit that does not confess Jesus, and that is the Spirit of the enemy. So here's the test. Do you want to know if something spiritual is from God? What does it make of Jesus? Do you want to know if a teaching is from God or from the other team? What does that teaching make of Jesus? If you want to know if a spiritual insight of a path to life, advice for enlightenment, all of those things, if you want to know if it is from God, what does that person, what does that teacher, what does that teaching say about Jesus? Does the spirit behind this teaching magnify Jesus? If it does, it's from God. If it does not, it's not. I want you to think about that. You think through all the books at Barnes & Noble. You think through all the people who appear on TV. You think through all the leaders of spirituality today. If what they're teaching gets you to Jesus, honors Jesus, glorifies Jesus, tells the truth about Jesus, puts your hope only on Jesus, then it's from God. And if it doesn't, then it's not. Because this is what the Spirit of God does. I want you to know that. If it's from the Spirit of God, the Spirit's work is to magnify Jesus, to tell the truth about Jesus. You see, John was writing in his day to folks who mentioned Jesus, but they didn't get the truth about him. Some of them didn't believe that he was divine. Some of them didn't believe that he was human. And John's saying, look, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ, divine, has come in the flesh, human, is from God. And if a spirit does not confess Jesus, it's not from God. Because the work of the Holy Spirit, of God, is to make much of Jesus. I want you to hear that. Uh, Jesus himself taught of what the Spirit does. In John's Gospel, not his letter, remember Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. In John's Gospel, he has these chapters, chapters 14, 15, 16, where Jesus is just talking for a long time. In it, Jesus describes what the Spirit will do. I want to read you just a few verses of how Jesus describes his Holy Spirit. Listen to John 14, verse 26. Here's what the true Spirit does. 
John 14, 26. But the helper, that's the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So if it's from the Spirit of God, whose words is the Spirit going to highlight and bring about? The words of Jesus. So if the teaching is from God, do you know whose words the teaching is going to highlight? The words of Jesus. Remember, he said, he will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. One chapter later, John 15, verse 26, hear this. But when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So I want you to hear that. Who is the Spirit of God bearing witness to? To Jesus. Let me listen, let you listen to one more. John 16, verse 13 and 14. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. I want you to hear this. So if it's from the Spirit of God, who is that teaching going to glorify? Jesus. Do you see, Jesus is saying everything that the Spirit does is to highlight me, to bring to remembrance my words, to glorify me, to bring you witness about me. I mean, this is the beauty of the Trinity, is that in love, though equal, they lovingly submit to one another so that the Son comes to the earth to glorify the Father. And the Father and the Son send the Spirit whose principal work is to glorify Jesus. Unselfish in every way, what the Spirit does is make much of Jesus. And so, average, everyday, plain Jane Christian, you and me, how are we to discern if something has come from the Spirit of God or from the other team? John's going to say, what does that teaching confess about Jesus? Does it take you to Jesus? Does it point you to Jesus? Does it glorify Jesus? Does it tell the truth about Jesus? Does it magnify Jesus? Is this all about Jesus? Because that's certainly what the Spirit of God does. Right, John, listen, in our day, our blend of spirituality is very vague. Right, we, we don't like preciseness. We like a little bit of this and a little bit of that and everybody's got a little bit of everything. For John, he's deadly precise. Jesus. What do you make of Jesus? What do you do with Jesus? Because if you're talking about Jesus, we're on the same team. And if you're not for John, we're not. One pastor said it's almost like if you and I got together and we started talking about an old friend that we might have in common. And I'm surprised to know that you know the person as well. And we're talking about them and, and we're recollecting and reminiscing and, and we think it might be the same person that we're talking about. We can go on like that forever, talking, thinking that we're talking about the same person until someone pulls out a picture, right? When someone pulls out a picture, then you're able to say, no, that's not who I was thinking. Or, yep, that's exactly the one. We're both talking about the same one. For John, Jesus is the picture. You want to know what God is like? You want to know what the invisible God looks like? And he pulls out a picture of Jesus. This is the invisible God in human form who became flesh, as he says here. And for John, if you're talking about him, then we're talking on the same team. And if you're not, we're not. For John, the question is, does the spirit 
behind this teacher teaching insight spirituality does it point you to Jesus and if so we're talking about the same thing and if not we're not listen I want you to know that this is not theory this will become deadly practical for you average everyday Christians like you and me deadly practical I'll tell you an example I was at a birthday party with Shainu a few weeks back for this kid that Shainu knows, or Shainu knows the mom, and so I went to this party. At this party, it's at Chuck E. Cheese, so I'm saying this comes at relevant at Roosevelt Boulevard on Chuck E. Cheese, right? So I'm sitting there, and I meet this man, a kind man, a really good man, a, a humble man who engaged me in a conversation. I befriended this man. We exchanged numbers afterwards. I want to pursue a friendship with this man. We sat down, we started talking, and he told me about this church he was attending and this religion that he was a part of and that he was a Bible-believing man. And so we started talking, and he began to tell me all things about Scripture, and somewhere along the way, the conversation turned to this one great prophet who had been born in Kentucky. So this prophet who had come and who had revealed insights into the Scriptures that no one had known before. And so I'm talking to the man, and he's telling me about how this man is the fulfillment of some of the prophecies in Joel and Malachi, and that this man had brought great insight that no one had ever known before, and that finally we have everything that we need to know because of his teachings. We started talking some more, and then the teachings began to get more and more strange. So he told me, for example, of how this man helped them to understand Genesis 3, that in the Garden of Eden was the fall, but the fall wasn't Eve taking a fruit that God had said not to eat, but rather that it was language for Eve had slept with Satan, that they had sexual intercourse and produced this demon offspring and that the rest of the world had, and then the conversation, you can imagine, just sort of went from there. Right? So, so I'm, I'm talking Roosevelt Boulevard, Chuck E. Cheese. And my first question to him, I want you to hear this, my first question, he talked for 15 or 20 minutes. And I said, brother, in Hebrews 1, it says that in the former days, God spoke to us through the prophets, but now he has spoken to us through his son. Do you believe that Jesus is the final and full revelation of God and that all that we need to know about God is found in Jesus? And I quote, he told me, no one's ever asked me that before. Right? And we continued talking, and I hope to continue the conversation. Now, I'm telling you this not to tell you that I'm a skilled debater or an evangelist. I wish I were. But to tell you that John instructs us. You know where we go? We go to Jesus. Tell me what you believe about Jesus. Because there's all kinds of spiritual insights and claims that everybody can make. But if we're on the same page about him, and for John, the first question is, does this spirit confess Jesus? If so, it's from God. And if not, it's not. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they come from God. By this you know the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. Every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So on you is this weighty charge. You have the responsibility to discern and to test the spirits. 
And lest that weight alone sit on you, John wants to leave you with a word of encouragement and a word of challenge. It's a weighty call, but there's also a good word of encouragement for you that I want us to see before we get out of this passage. It's what he ends the passage with. Look at verses five, 4 through the end. Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. Whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So here's his word of encouragement and challenge as he ends this passage. It's this. He's writing to his beloved church. And remember, if you've been with us through 1 John, you know that the reason he's writing is some of the folks who were sitting in church bailed one day. They were counterfeits. They had believed false teachings. They walked out on Jesus. They walked out on the church. And he's saying to the authentic Christians that have stayed behind, Beloved, you belong to God. And you have overcome them. You haven't gone astray. You haven't believed that false teaching. No matter how much they preached at you, you haven't done that. Why? Is it because there was some quality in you that helped you to stay? No. It's because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The same spirit that highlights Jesus, he's saying, for an authentic Christian, is able to persevere and preserve you no matter what counterfeits are out there. I want you to hear that. If you belong to Jesus, then he's saying the spirit of God, part of his work is to preserve you so that you don't go astray. Did you notice Jesus saying that the, the demons will come if possible, to take away the elect. So part of what John wants to encourage his people to know is, listen, you're authentic if you have the Spirit of God in you. And if you have the Spirit of God in you, I want you to know you're going to overcome because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So no matter how hard Satan tugs, he can never pull you away if you belong to God because the Spirit's grip on you is tighter than his pull. And so if the Spirit of God is in you, authentic Christians, beloved, dear little children, as John says, then you have nothing to fear because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And then he ends this passage with a challenge, which is, listen, it all shows on who you're listening to. In a sense, what he does is he ends the passage not by focusing anymore on the guy up at the front and determining whether he's counterfeit authentic, whether this teacher is telling the truth or not, but he turns it to the listener and says, do you want to know if you're real or not? You can know if the teacher is real or not by what he says, but he turns the tables and says, and you can know if you're real or not by what you hear. If you hear the world, you prove that you're of the world. But we, John says, are from God. When he says we, he's talking about the apostles, right? Remember in John 1, 1 John 1, 1, he says, we have seen him and touched him and tell you what we saw. We, the apostles, we've, we're giving you this Jesus that we saw. And remember, Jesus is the test. So we are from God, and if you listen to us, you prove that you are of God as well. So how do you know if the teacher is real? By what he says. How do you know if you sitting there are real? By what you hear. If the apostles' teachings about Jesus 
are received into your heart and you listen to them. If you read the scriptures and see Christ in them and receive them, then you are authentic. And if you don't, you're not. Beloved children, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they come from God. By this, we know the spirit of God. For every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come into the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we gladly confess that we want truth and believe in truth and long to know the truth. And as we say that, we again confess and see from your word, Jesus is the truth. He's the test of the truth. He's the dividing line between truth and error. He again is the one who has said to us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He came not just to show us a set of doctrine to believe one versus the other, but he came so that we might believe in him. What do we make of Jesus is the question you have for us this morning. For by him we will know that which comes from God and that which does not. We pray that you would help us to be a discerning people, not just sincere, not just earnest, but discerning. And to be discerning, help us to know you better and the teachings of the apostles, your word better, so that we might be equipped to discern, to test the spirits, to see whether they are from God. Lead none in this room astray, but grant to everyone even the grace to be noble like the Bereans, to test against your word, all that they hear, that they might believe that which is true and reject that which is false. And we pray that everyone under the sound of my voice would also prove themselves to be authentic in that they listen to you and to those whom you have given to reveal the truth of Jesus. Help us, O oh Lord, we pray. Save us from error. And bring us indeed away from the enemy and to your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.